It is Friday, December 8th, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Proud partner of the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. You're getting a short open because we've got that much material. So give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. Oh, you didn't know? Your fruity booty better call somebody. It's me, it's me, it's that honor to be the be Rick Vickery back again. The Hitting Work Pro Wrestling Podcast. Going a little old school flavor there. The struggle isn't that what produces ratings? WWE winning Monday night on cable. Got to come in on a high note for him, huh? You know, it's absolutely hilarious. Shout out to our boy, William Alicia, the only guy who can make a drop in viewership and spin it into a positive. I mean, he's getting almost as bad as Shill Vickery Shill. I got Shill Alicia Shill. That's a new hashtag I'm using now, too. Hey, but but still, either it's either Shill Vickery Shill Chill, Alicia, chill. We're still not at the levels of Mark Tardum as one Professor Quartet. Yes, there is that. We will talk a little bit about the State of the Union a little bit later in the show. Yeah, I found a way to tie that in. But Huckleberry, we got to start off in Las Vegas last night. The Elite. That's right. All Elite Wrestling. They held another party last night. I am very disappointed that nobody got thrown in the pool. I just want to go ahead and get that out there. I thought for sure that Jericho was going to throw Kenny into the pool. But uh, we, we got a lot of information last night. There's some information still out there, like the TV deal, that I am just dying for because that's when all of this becomes real. Uh, Rick, the... It seems that the internet wrestling community is very divided today because there's a lot of people that think, yeah, that was pretty much what I expected. And then there's a lot of people that are like, this was an ever loving crock of shit and a huge letdown disappointment. I'm in the middle. Uh, it, it was exactly what I expected, especially, you know, what we saw last time, you know, everyone going in with such high expectations you know, expecting, you know, to just absolutely blow everyone away, immediately coming out of the gate, changing professional wrestling. And, and that's not what that's not what it was about. It was a pep rally. It was to get you kind of excited. They, we knew the announcements that they had coming forth and all that. That's what we were going to get here. I mean, you know, Kenny's going to be there. That was no surprise. I mean, that, that was, was not, you know, the cat's out of the bag. That's kind of, you know, the explanation point on the last night's event. And, you know, we get the big the ticket announcement. They told us what that was going into it. But still you have, you know, people are just so excited. They're hungry. They're eager for something more professional wrestling. They want that boom to happen. My issues with it is from last night, it it was exactly what I expected. But I keep hearing about this billionaire con. They got all the money in the world. They can challenge the WWE. They're going to force their hand. But what we got last night was something that you could see at any independent promotion, except it happened at the MGM in Vegas. I, I thought that uh, the production, uh, you know, the presentation completely missed the mark with me. And, and one of the biggest things, you know, we've got Kenny Omega. That's your selling point. Man, I, I was like expecting him to be flown in on a chopper. You know, get get the smoke going up around the stage. What's going on? You know, like, man, this is pretty, got the spotlight. And here he comes with this grand entrance. But instead, we get this like half mile walk across the pool, you know, and it, it wasn't anything 
that overwhelming. It wasn't a spectacle that I'm expecting from these guys right now. These guys were over the top. They're, they're the genius marketers, right? Well, that just looked like any other indie show. I mean, it looked like something we'd see from Impact. It was just below production values for it. On my way home, I got to thinking about how can I kind of sum up last night. And it occurred to me, finally, this was Vince Russo's favorite wrestling show ever. We've always thought that Russo wanted a wrestling show with no wrestling on the show. That's what we got last night. That's very much like it was an hour and a half episode of being the elite live in front of a studio audience at the MGM Grand. That's very much what I took away from it. That's very much what I expected. We did get some important information. We got the ticket information. AllEliteWrestling.com. Register right now. Hit pause on the podcast. Go over to AllEliteWrestling.com. Register for the pre-sale. That is good until Sunday, February 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Pre-sale tickets for Double or Nothing begin at noon on February 11th, Eastern Standard Time. They go on to the public February 13th at noon, Eastern Standard Time. But Rick, I don't think there's going to be any tickets left. There was such a demand for the pre-sale tickets that they crashed the website last night as the broadcast was going on. Meltzer is now reporting that there was over 20,000 requests for pre-sale tickets. So if you don't, if you're not a part of the pre-sale, don't expect to be getting tickets on February 13th at noon. I think they're going to sell out during the pre-sale. How are they, now? I, have, I was going to say, I just pulled up the number here. We're well over 20,000 requests for this thing. You know, people are flocking. They're still, you know, even we've heard the disappointment from the actual press conference last night. People are still excited. You know, it, it's still, man. The pedal to the floor, full throttle going head for these guys. How are they going to handle it? Is that going to work as some kind of lottery? Do you have that information? I don't know. I don't know. At this time, I don't know. Um, I have the email. I did get through. I am registered for the presale. Um, perhaps I'll get a little bit more information uh, Monday uh, by the time we record the locker room. Um, now, you see, I think I'm going a different route here. I, you know, Obviously, I'm going to be out there for StarCast and everything that we're going to be involved with. But I was really intrigued last time by the the airing at StarCast, where they're going to have like the closed circuit program, the viewing party there. I I'm I want to check that out because you you know they had uh, I think it was Shane Helms was the host yep. there. It, it seemed pretty cool to me, and it's a little more laid back, relaxed my style instead of being stuck in that seat. I could kick it by a bar, you know, hang out there. But that's going to be the, the route I'm going to take. You know, I'm very intrigued to see how fast tickets go. Um, one thing I have not heard I, I've heard had several people approach me asking about it. And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know if there is going to be a podcast row. I have heard nothing about podcast row. I'm kind of wondering if StarCast is just going to become a convention attached to Double or Nothing, just like every other wrestling convention on the face of the planet. Um, Now, I know that is very disappointing. Believe me, it's very disappointing for people like Rick and I. But I also know what a pain in the ass it had to be to put that entire thing together. And Conrad said he was never going to do it again. Well, he is doing StarCast again. But as you and I know, there have been some changes to the StarCast team. And I just wonder if Podcast Row is not going to be a part of it this year. Well, I still see, you know, they they might not have the Podcast Row. Because I think with so much going on and having that extra 
kind of workload put on them. Because, you know, even you and I, you know, we were kind of nitpicking it too. You know, they, they could have done a, a lot of things there. And I just don't know if it was such a priority for them. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, you know, it was a great experience, you know, to, to be there amongst the other podcasters. They have an opportunity on a platform like that. But really, what what really stood out, you know, made us stand out apart there was the press credentials because we got a lot more done roaming the floor, hitting the different, you know, the sideshows, things like that. And, and just randomly, you know, being able to approach talent, you know, they, they see you got your credentials, you know, they're they're more most, you know, more than not were willing to give you quite a bit of time to talk with you. That's that's where the magic was. That's where the money was. So, I, yeah, I would agree, you know, jump the podcast row uh, and just, you know, just go along with your regular press. Yep. I absolutely agree. Uh, before we talk about any of the talent uh, that was introduced last night, especially Kenny Omega and what happened at the end of the press conference, um, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was the commentary team that we had last night. Uh, obviously, we had Conrad Thompson, who was uh, rudely interrupted by MJF. It was fantastic. MJF is quickly becoming my favorite pro wrestler on the face of the planet. <laughs> Turkey tick? Is that what he called him? Turkey tits? fantastic stuff uh but more importantly we had excalibur and alex marvez now one of the names that we talked about as somebody that we expected to be in the talk for a color commentator was excalibur that one did not catch me off guard at all uh alex marvez uh, evidently is a nfl analyst for the miami dolphins but he made a comment just kind of in passing when he tossed it over to excalibur that he hopes that he will be his color guy for many years to come. Rick, was that our broadcast team? Is it going to be Excalibur and Alex Marvez? Well, I was say, you know, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed this crew together. I, I thought they did a great job. And hey, and you know, this this would be something different. You know, it's going to give us a fresh voice, a, a new perspective. So I'm okay with that. Obviously, we've heard a lot of talk about Jim Ross, and I've been telling everybody for months now. Pump the brakes on JR. I think JR absolutely has a place at All Elite Wrestling, but I think it's as the head of wrestling operations. I want JR to be the guy calling the shots for AEW. I don't necessarily need him on a headset as the voice of AEW. I think he would be much more beneficial to the company in a front office capacity at this point. Let's face it, he is the single greatest talent scout that's ever existed in the world of professional wrestling. I'm more imagining him now as that mentor, a consult, a consultant, because, you know, we're seeing all these managerial positions starting to take shape. You know, everyone's getting kind of their title where we're seeing who's going to fit what role here. And I could really see someone like Jr. is kind of that umbrella over all of them, you know, someone that can that they can all go to for guidance. And it doesn't really require that over the top commitment from Jr. Now, and obviously, when you attach his name to anything with with a headset, I mean, it's going to sell. And I would love to see him maybe reserved for those special moments. You know, have him come out and call, you know, one of the major bouts at Double or Nothing, something like that. You know, if if you're going to crown an all-elite champion there, then there's, I mean, who better to have there for that moment? You know, as you go down and as we look back, you know, 10 years from now, we're looking back and you have JR calling that moment. But again, you don't want to oversaturate your product with him. You know, keep it special. Yep, absolutely. Completely agree. Uh, the other thing that has crossed my mind as far as JR goes, I'd give him the book. I mean, we're so worried about all these executive vice presidents. I've seen that going all over the Facebook groups, you know. Oh, yeah, these guys are going to be pushing themselves. Give JR the book. Is there anybody that you would trust more 
to have the book than Jim Ross? Well, again, I think this is going to be, I think with their vision, I, I think this is again where he's perfect in a consulting capacity. I mean, because I mean, because I mean, let's let's be honest here. You know, he is old school as that old school is. But Jr. is wise enough to know that the, that professional wrestling has evolved. And I don't think he would even actually want the responsibility of being that final decision maker, knowing uh, that everything that it looks like all he's going to be. Now, just before we went on to record here, I was catching up with the road to double or nothing and listen to Hangman Page talk about, you know, the vision is that this thing can be all things. You know, it's you're going to slice the pie so much. So not not every piece is going to be, you know, for me or for you, Jargo, or for whoever's out there. But there's going to be a good portion of that thing that you're going to enjoy. And that's their vision. And I think someone like Jr. he's wise enough to know, you know, he's going to drop his knowledge where need be. But I don't think he would want that responsibility, especially at this stage in his life. We did get a couple of other big announcements yesterday. Uh, business relationships. We knew about the OWE, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. We knew about that relationship. But yesterday it was announced that AEW and AAA now have a working relationship. We saw a video from Dorian congratulating AEW on the announcement, apologizing that he couldn't be there. But he's very much looking forward to this relationship going forward, which brings up a whole ton of things as far as like Lucha Underground and contracts and Pentagon getting to keep his name and all kinds of cool stuff. But Rick, what I really wanted to talk about with you is the battle lines because the battle lines are clearly being drawn. We absolutely have a war on our hands, but it's a three-way. It's like Paul Heyman booked this thing in ECW. We got a triple threat going. We've got the WWE and all the NXT umbrellas. Then we have ROH, CMLL, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then we have AEW, OWE, AAA, Impact question mark, and MLW question mark. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, they're they're kind of te- everyone's kind of on that second tier is looking to buddy up. Uh, they're they're drawing, as you said, man, they're drawing the battle lines, and you still got the juggernaut, the WWE, staring down at everybody. But I feel like the real battle here is more AEW and their cohorts and ROH, New Japan, and CMLL. That's that's where the interesting battle is really going to happen. You know, and it's like we. And they're they're signing these exclusive deals to try to make sure that you know which you know whose team they're playing for here. Yeah, that's that, that's that's what's going to be an interesting. Watch, you know, everybody wants and they're clamoring for. We want someone to challenge WWE. Your your next great war is going to be on that second tier uh, amongst these modern territories, if you will. And of course, there's that New Japan tie-in, which I can't help but wonder what happens after Madison Square Garden. And that and that's because we've we've talked about it quite frequently. You know, it seems like at times there it's getting quite rocky, that relationship between Ring of Honor and New Japan, uh, where there's almost an internal conflict between those two, especially with New Japan trying to move west and evolve their product in that fashion. I mean, we could see an implosion, you know, the day after the Super Show. Now, this begs another instance all right where i i almost feel like i need to say spoiler alert because i i just feel this coming and this is why the monday locker room is going to be late this week i have a feeling 
that Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to beat Switchblade Jay White. And then I have a feeling that Chris Jericho is going to attack Hiroshi Tanahashi. And the main event in Madison Square Garden is going to be Chris Jericho versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. How does that do you for a main event in the garden? You know what? We've talked for a while. You know, what is a name on that marquee, Uh, especially, you know, with with the wrestling world going to be ascending upon the Big Apple that weekend. You know, right now they, they don't really get much bigger than Chris Jericho. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's one of the biggest draws in the business, which is just insane. But he's Chris freaking Jericho. Well, and I know we're going to get into I'll, I'll, just maybe, I guess, a little teaser here. You know, last night, I think, you know, we, we got that standoff between him and Kenny. I don't think it was as impactful, though. I mean, we're talking about him as this huge marquee name, this draw, and we're talking about all these alliances. And when they announced all of this talent last night, it was like, where's the wow factor? Because it goes back to, like, I've, I, I see these people all the time. I mean, this wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, it was great. This is great that they're getting amazing talent, but I wasn't blown away at anything, which is, and it's really, it's what we expected from the talent. And that's why I was a little let down that they didn't go over the top in the production. We'll talk about the talent and especially Kenny here in, in just a second. We'll, we'll go ahead and start running through them, but we'll save Kenny and Jericho here. Uh, Sonny Kiss was the first talent that we saw introduced last night. The uh, incredibly flamboyant um, Velveteen Dream turned up to 182 is uh, basically what you get with Sonny. Uh, Sammy Guarva, the AAA Cruiserweight Champion. I thought that was a great pickup in looking at how this roster is kind of starting to fill out. We saw the best friends last night. Uh, Brandy Rhodes making the announcements of a partnership with Tokyo Joshi. Yuka Sakazaki is going to be coming over, as well as Aja Kong. We saw a setup for Kylie Ray versus Nyla Rose. I can almost guarantee you that that match is going to be happening at Double or Nothing. All We're filling out the mid-card here is, is kind of what it felt like. But, I mean, that's got to be done. Well, as we're again, though, do we need this? Oh, like, do we need... A press conference for this, though, especially if you're not going to go over the top. I mean, just just felt just like a, a living Twitter announcement to me. Yep, yep. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Well, and then it got me even thinking, when you look at really the excitement from the fans here and how they're building this thing up, it's in large part, it's because of who they are hoping leaves WWE. You know, who's going to get out of, get out of the Fed and, and make the jump over here? And then it hit me. You know why they're so excited about that? Because out on the indie scene, there's nothing exciting left. There are no dream matches. There are you know no big movers and shakers that are coming in. So you have to create that excitement by by drawing up these grand illusions of WWE stars in this mass exodus and everybody wanting to jump over to AEW. I mean, it's even to the point you know where people. Or, you know, you talk about Brock Lesnar type people and John Cena's and all that. Randy Orton's because. Because what we're getting filling out this roster with AEW, and I don't, I don't care if it's just the mid card or the main event scene, we've seen it all. We've seen it everywhere. You know, and going back, you know, we were talking this week uh, the the Lucha Bros. It's amazing. Yes, that's a that's an incredible kick for all elite wrestling. But guess what? I just saw them three times this week for three different promotions on on televised programs, not television, but a, you know, at least some kind of platform that's hitting the masses. I've been able to watch that. Yep. Um. We have last night all wrong. 
And I think that's the reason that people are kind of down on this thing. Rick, we've talked about it before. This was an upfront. This was proving to a TV network that we can fill an hour and a half worth of content without any wrestling on the show. Imagine what we do when we can add wrestling to it. This felt like an upfront to me. Like they were trying to prove something to a broadcast network. Look how many people we have watching on YouTube right now. How many people we have watching on Twitter right now. This was not for us. This was not intended for us. That's why we didn't get any big announcements last night. This was an upfront for whatever TV network it is that they're trying to impress. Okay, well, then going back to what I was saying, that kind of that, that adds a little more support behind, you know, my issues with what happened there. If I'm a TV executive, what I saw was, thanks for selling me a YouTube show. Yep. The- that's what they, that's what they did to me last night. They didn't, they didn't wow me with something. You know, if I'm, you know, the, the Warner networks then I'm like, you know what? I got to have this on Tuesday nights. This is over the top. This is going to, the hell with my big bang that I'm running. You guys got my TBS slot. This is awesome. You guys just blew me out of the water. There's a, there's a fucking helicopter. You threw Brandy Rhodes in a swimming pool. Oh, that's ratings ranger, baby. We didn't get any of that. This looked like a YouTube show. This looks like if you gave, if you gave us a couple grand, we could produce something like we saw. 275,000 views 12 hours ago on YouTube live. I don't know what they had through other outlets because I know it was available on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and, but YouTube is the big one that they're going to be looking at. That's not, I mean, that's double impacts viewership, almost triple impacts viewership on a weekly basis. Okay, great. (laughs) Well, yeah, but they're still the number two. Were they trying to pitch themselves to pop television? I mean, they want a big boy. They want a big boy channel here. And what I saw last night, and I don't mean, Hey, I, I, I think what they're doing is, is tremendous. But last night, all they did was pitch a YouTube show, a YouTube show. I think the other problem that is being presented when it comes to Double or Nothing is all in was the series of dream matches. There wasn't a bad match on that card. There was no low spots on that card. Now we're building a promotion. We have to build a mid card. We have to fill the lower card. And so we're getting some of these announcements and people are like, who? Why are you signing him? Well, we got to... Fill out the entire card. The entire card's not going to be Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada. Well, and I think, and when you go back, what do you, I like how you brought that up here. Everyone's kind of saying who. Well, get off your lazy ass and do a little work. Go look up some of these talents. You're, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. You know, just because they haven't been on a WWE radar or you haven't heard, you know, this great buzz from from Japan about them, it doesn't mean that they're not incredible talents. And that's one thing that, that I'm really high on with AEW is you're going to see an opportunity for a lot of these individuals to shine. You know, get in touch with the independent scene. You're going to be pleasantly surprised. There are people that are constantly complaining, oh, man, it's the same old, same old every Monday, Tuesday. Well, get off your ass and find a show for the weekend. Find something else that's going to entertain you because there's a lot of tremendous professional wrestling out there and there's something for everyone. One thing that I have heard is, you know, they didn't do that much last night. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, dude, they set up five matches last night. 
The first five matches for Double or Nothing are basically all but signed at this point. You have Kylie Ray versus Nyla Rose. You're going to have Hangman Page versus Pac, which I'm very much looking forward to. That video from Neville was fantastic, and I thought Hangman's line about, you know, Pac's doing what he does best sitting at home. Uh, we got saw the setup for the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks. That's absolutely happening, and I expect it to be your main event at Double or Nothing. SCU versus OWE, led by SEMA. That's going to be an awesome six-man tag match. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with SEMA, that's one that you do need to educate yourself. I mean, he was basically the protege of Ultimo Dragon. Dude knows what he's doing. And then, of course, we had Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. That match is absolutely going to happen at Double or Nothing. It's going to be Alpha versus Omega, too. But almost the bigger story about the Kenny Omega thing was Kenny Omega comes walking out and it says executive vice president underneath of his name and people lost their goddamn minds. What, what was the buzz around us? I mean, what were they going crazy about here? I mean, obviously, you know, I laughed. I, my first thought was like, how many damn vi executive vice presidents do we need around here? My first thought was they fucked up the CG. Like they just, they put in the wrong super. That was honestly my first thought. Everybody's losing their minds about this thing. Have you seen anybody confirm it? Have you seen Kenny come out and say that he's an executive vice president? Have you seen the Bucks come out and confirm it? Have you seen Cody come out and confirm it? I think they just plain put in the wrong fucking graphic, which is incredibly easy to do. Well, uh, but then again, going back to if this is this is your your showcase for the networks and they had some other little glitches, too, in there. So the there audio was issues. issues. Audio was major, major issues again. At you time. know how I am about audio issues. I mean, when they opened up and, and the audio was super over modulated, it seemed like Excalibur's feed and Conrad's feed were coming through two different places entirely. Well, it, is that something though? As you're as you're making that pitch to an executive to one of the networks, that do you kind of twist that as now see what we could do? We could improve this with you. I mean, yes. this is what this is what we do on this. But then it goes back. You know what I was talking about? It. You know, at the top of this conversation, we hear about all this money from the Khan family. What do you expect there to be a better production crew backing this thing? If this is your pitch to a network, eh? I mean, I I can absolutely understand that argument. But to me, the better argument is, yeah, we had some technical issues. Guess what? We're wrestlers. We're trying to run a wrestling company. That's what we need you for. We need you to make TV. We need the money to bring in a production crew. And, and like it, that sells itself to me. That's a sales pitch. Okay. Now, in turn, though, do you leave yourself open to the TV network coming in and kind of forcing their views, what they want for a vision. I mean, that, we heard so much from WCW about that. You know, when TV people were trying to get involved with the wrestling aspect, I mean, you're you're coming and saying, yeah, we're, I mean, we don't know what we're doing here. We're, we're, we're the wrestling guys. We'll do this part. We need you for the television. Does that open? I mean, does that leave a door open for them to kind of cross that line and, and kind of, you know, forcing their hand on, on these guys at, at some point? Well, I mean, here's the difference. WCW was owned by Turner. They were owned by the network. So, of course, the TV people were trying to get involved. Right. Um, what what I would expect here is the problem that I would foresee. OK, guys, we're looking for one hundred million dollars and they come back and say, OK, we'll give you 70 million dollars because we're going to give you 30 million dollars worth of a production crew. You know, which is is 
okay, yeah, sure, yeah, we'll take that. I, but we have no idea what in the world the budget looks like, what they have devoted to salary, what they have devoted to production. You know, maybe the the studio actually wants to use this production crew instead of that production crew, and the difference is $20 million because that's incredibly feasible. Well, and you know, like you're saying, we don't really know the exact game plan, this business model. We don't know how they're going to tape these episodes, where they're going to tape these episodes, and that's that's going to play a major factor yeah. into how this thing is put over. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the other big announcement, Kenny Omega, a full-time member of the AEW roster, so that shoots my New Japan theory in the foot. But then, of course, we had Chris Jericho come out, who has said openly that he is going to continue working for New Japan Pro Wrestling. He has said publicly that his contract allows him to continue to work with New Japan Pro Wrestling, so that door is open because we all know that Jericho is one hell of a salesman. So... Alpha versus Omega 2 is clearly going to happen. I think here's the disconnect. Why? Why? Like the first time this happened, we understood why Jericho was going after Kenny Omega. Now we know Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho are friends. They're boys. They hang out. They're both from Winnipeg. They do podcasts together. There's no heat. That's the problem. That's the difference. And I think that's where people aren't excited about this thing. I think, you know, when you're, you're talking about two names like Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, they're going to go. We saw the first one, you know, in Japan. I mean, it was incredible. You know, we should be just hungry, chopping at the chopping at the bit for to have round two of this thing. But because and I think immediately the next day when they go on air together and expose everything that they had done, you know, it just now we're getting this sour taste. Not maybe so much a sour taste. I, I just felt so underwhelmed. I didn't it didn't feel like this grand moment to me. And honestly, with the matches we've got laid out going in a double or nothing, you know, I I think the two ones that people should be the most excited for are Hangman and Pac and the six and the six man, because those are something original and new for us. Or did we just completely misread things? Maybe we saw what we wanted to see. If we think back to all in what happened during the Kenny Omega and Pentagon match. Right. We get the switcheroo. Jericho attacks Kenny. And we all thought, oh, they're doing something to set up the cruise. Maybe they were doing something to set up longer term business. And we just all completely missed the story because there's no TV deal. So there's no weekly show. So there's absolutely no program being built. But it's Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Don't we at least owe it to them to like follow up on this and build an angle so that we get invested in it? Well, here we go then. You know, this this goes back to the you know the argument, the, the great back and forth we've had with Billy Ray Valentine. This is a this is a, a great example of where two names simply with amazing talent are not exciting you to get invested in a match. This is something where we are going to need an incredible story between two of the, the top performers in the entire world. You know, that doesn't speak volumes to our argument that you need a background, you need a build, you need that storyline, then I don't know what does. Now, now I, I, it's very interesting what you brought up there. You know, going back, maybe they were doing a little bit more business than what that met the eye at, at All In. And then, you know, they had some interaction on the cruise. Maybe, you know, that is that slow burn here. You know, it's going to be interesting. Do you Would you get more excited if Jericho turns up the heat on him and says, you know what? I was only being buddy, buddy with him. You know, one of those things like keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. 
And, you know, in, in doing so, I really realized that I cannot stand this jackass. I mean, would that work? Yeah. I mean, there's a million different ways. I mean, it's Jericho. I trust Jericho enough that he can build this thing. I also trust Kenny enough at this point that he knows he's got to do something big to retaliate. Like, I don't know, attack Chris Jericho inside of Madison Square Garden after a match with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Well, we also got this, you know, I've seen a strong rumor, you know, hitting a couple hitting a couple sites that we might see the All Elite crew maybe make a make a stop in an impact wrestling coming up. It, what is it like the redemption or something like that? Um, and whatever their next pay-per-view is. I'm I think, sure. yeah, it's something it's, sure. it's a redemption up in Toronto, I believe is what, you know, maybe they're saying that there's a possibility we could see them there. I mean, maybe they do a little business there or something like that. At this point, I feel like all bets are off and, and that's kind of the appeal of this thing. This is still wild, wild West. And it's like, you know, we went from them being the mom and pop organization for years and it's like you know they're they're do it yourself and yeah we're gonna change the world and it's all independent wrestling and the second that they have a billionaire working behind that to actually make that real we we just expect them to be the wwe i'm not again maybe a lot of fans are having that like me personally i'm not expecting them to be anywhere near the wwe i'm i'm just giving you the feedback that i'm seeing online well here's what i'm and i just maybe want i just want to you know project this out there to people that maybe get a better understanding don't expect them to be the wwe because guess what right now we're shitting all over wwe we don't want them to be WWE. you want you want a real alternative you want them to be something else and i say yeah it's great sit back you know, enjoy the ride right now. Don't assume everything. Don't be jumping, you know, three steps ahead of, of where they're at right now. I, and this is exactly what we should have expected. I just wanted a, a little more showmanship from these guys, especially when I do know they have the money there. You know, and that's something that it's been really, we're talking about being alternative, something different from WWE. It's something that WWE has completely, completely alienated that concept of showmanship. They just run through the cookie cutter shit every week. And I feel that it, and I feel probably the biggest mistake they made at this press conference was being a little too WWE-esque with just, you know, the underwhelming production value. Duly noted. But the WCW, it, it kind of felt WCW too, because like the MGM grand around the pool press conference, it felt so freaking Bischoff to me. Well, it felt WCW 1990s. Yeah, there is that. Uh, one name that was missing from the roster that we know has signed with All Elite Wrestling is Jimmy Havoc. I kind of expected to see him last night. Of course, Jimmy Havoc is interesting, not only because he just took on our, our good friend Rory in a home appliances death match, but because Jimmy Havoc works for MLW. Now we know that Jimmy Havoc is going to continue working with MLW, as is MJF which made me very, very happy. So there is a working relationship with Court and AEW, at least on some level, but it doesn't seem as though it's necessarily the friendliest of levels as of yet. Well, you know, it, we were I was having a great conversation. I remember, did you jump into that with Jamie Greer from Last Word on Pro Wrestling? You know, we, we were kind of going back and forth. It's like, and to me... You know, he was real quick, and a lot of people were to assume that we've got this, you know, hand in hand partnership. I don't think that's the case. I think it's I, an I individual talent thing. 
Right. That's what I think. I think it's just loosely based through individual contracts that we're going to see a few people here. You know, because the, the vibe that I really get from MLW is they're not very trustworthy to some of these other promotions. And, and I, hey, it makes a lot of sense because this is professional wrestling. And you hear about how dirty of a business this is. And you, know, you get to that kind of level in entertainment. They're all dirty businesses. You got to watch your back because someone's going to stab you the first opportunity they get. And I think MLW in court is very aware of that. And he's trying to really protect his brand right now. And you got to look. I mean, he was the hot emergence. You know, he was that up and comer with that buzz. And all that's been cut out from under him with All Elite right now. Yeah, MLW kind of feels like ROH right now. Like they're 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 kind of running in that same level where everybody is just trying to poach their talent and they're trying to keep things afloat. Uh, I thought it was very telling though. Court Bauer took to Twitter and wished Penta and Phoenix the absolute best going into AEW. Thanked them for their time there. And we've seen court take shots at certain talents or companies that may try to poach the talent. I very much got the impression that this thing was handled the right way. And I get the same impression with Jimmy Havoc and with MJF. And as long as you don't screw court and court doesn't screw you, I think everything is fine. Well, yeah, I think it was probably done with the uh, most respect. They're probably very forward with each other. Uh, And again, you know, in the way court handled it, it leaves the door open. It doesn't leave that sour taste when you need to do business going forward or, you know, hey, or or they run their course a little bit. It just kind of sets up. Maybe where they're not like interchanging talents so regularly, but hopefully maybe we get back to a system more like the territory days. Like, okay, we've the Lucha Brothers have been here in AEW for a year and a half. Let's let them go to MLW for six months. Just, you know, hey, you know, absent makes the heart grow fonder, right? For that product. Different matchups. Different matchups. And it's not they're on each program every week. You just kind of get that cycle through storylines and different presentations. Like, okay. I got this six months. I want to see the Lucha Bros. I got to watch MLW. Uh, and I know they're going to go down there, work a couple programs, and then they'll be back in AEW. Yep. Then I'm going to bounce over to Impact for a couple months. And, right. You know? you know, get back to that. That's how the territories were. You yep. do your cycles, you know. And, if, and unless, you know, back in those days, if you weren't the top guy, you know, the challengers to the top babies, you know, your, your Lawlers or Von Erics. They would be stationed in there, and you would cycle through the villains, and they'd run through there. So the mid-card guys would run through. It kept things fresh. And I, that's what I would really love to see them to get back to. Yep. Uh, so let's go ahead and throw things over to another one of my favorite new wrestling companies, and that, of course, is WOW. We've got a WOW preview Coming up for tonight, Huckleberry, Friday, February 8th, live on Access TV, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm looking forward to this one, man, because there are some really, really good matches on this week's show. Santana Garrett is going to defend the WOW Women's Championship. Well, not the Women's Championship. It's the championship because it's an all-women's promotion. Against Tessa Blanchard and Jungle Girl, friend of the show, who was on the show last week. You can go back in the archive and find that interview. But, of course, Jungle Girl was the WOW champion. She lost that title in a triple threat 
She finally gets her one-on-one against Santana Garrett. Tessa comes out and interferes. And now Jungle Girl is reduced once again to a triple threat match to try to reclaim her championship. And then, of course, we've got all kinds of heat between Santana Garrett and Tessa Blanchard. I'm really looking forward to this match tonight. I said this this is going to be definitely a must-see main event, a great marquee. Like you said, this is a stacked card, man. A lot going on in an hour. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm more curious to see how they're going to get this all in. And the thing that's awesome is we're only four weeks into this and we already know, like, this is a stacked card. It's great because they actually develop their characters. The Beverly Hills babe, Amber O'Neill, friend of the show, going to be taking on eye candy. Looking for a big win from uh, the Beverly Hills babe there. Holly dead. Thunder Rosa is her tag team partner. She was on the show two weeks ago. She's going to be taking on Azteca tonight. And uh, if you go back and you listen to that Thunder Rosa interview, when we talk about WoW, she brings up that there's only one other girl in WoW who wears a mask, and that is Azteca. So I'm kind of expecting uh, some business to get started there between the Twisted Sisters and Miss Azteca. And then we have Steffi Slays. Steffi Slays is going to be joining the show in two weeks, and she is going to be taking on Huckleberry's favorite women of WoW, Jesse Jones, rocking the Make America Great Again gimmick. I told you I'd find a way to tie in. You betcha. I got the State of the Union right here. Jesse Jones is going to deliver it for you. Huckleberry, I, I I really like this whole gimmick that she is rocking. She's getting all kinds of heat online for it. And it's like, hot damn, girl, you are a heel in 2019. You rock that shit. You, you know, we've got the uh, the dirty hippie Daniel Bryan tearing it up in WWE. But no, representing- no, no. The dirty hippie is freaking Matt Riddle because he refuses to put on shoes. Daniel Bryan is the angry vegan. All right, with the, the angry vegan, dirty hippie, what, what, whatever the hell you want to go with. He's, he's representing everything that I hate, that I hate in society is being represented there. So thankfully, the, the great people over at WOW have recognized that we need someone to stand up for us, the righteous, okay, that need to stand up for us. And we are getting this in Jesse Jones. And I absolutely love, I mean, just not heat, the atomic heat that she is getting here absolutely love it. I mean, you, you talk about these are two of the hottest acts of professional wrestling from two different sides of the spectrum here. And isn't wrestling so freaking great when it mimics and it pulls at the heartstrings of actual society? When it digs deep down in and really gets you fired up? This is incredible. Hey, and I, I have so many people, this will never last. They need to stop this. This is outrageous. No, this is my voice. This is my wrestling. Jesse Jones, Yes, ma'am. Represent us. Make us proud. Make America great. Make wrestling great. I stand with this woman. And she's going to be taking on Steffi Slays, who is basically a millennial. She's 22 years old. She works three jobs. I'm not sure that she necessarily cares about any of them. Uh, When you hear the interview coming up here in a couple of weeks, she even says in the interview, wins and losses don't matter to her. She's here to inspire people. Now, of course, Miss Jones, before she uh, found Donald Trump and the whole Make America Great Again thing, she actually was trained by Miss Selena Majors. And together, the two of them were trying to teach some of these new recruits some respect. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping 
that Jesse Jones can teach this millennial a little bit of respect. Let's go ahead. I had a chance to sit down with Selena Majors, and we talked quite a bit about Miss Jesse Jones. Let's go ahead and throw it over to the interview, and then Huckleberry and I will be right back to talk some WWE blood money. Oh, yeah, it's that time of year again, Huckleberry. Looking forward to my blood money. Here's the interview with Selena Majors. We'll be right back after the break. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, presented by Hami Media, and in association with LastWordOnProWrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but let's welcome in our guest. She is a true icon in women's wrestling, sporting former championships such as three-time International Wrestling Alliance champion, three-time Ladies Major League Wrestling champion, three-time National Wrestling champion, a former talent for World Championship Wrestling, and a woman who has been a pioneer working alongside Mr. David McLean since 1986, a trainer for the next generation of female wrestlers. You can catch her on the Wow Women of Wrestling Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Access TV. Miss Selena Majors. Miss Majors, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Now, Miss Majors, before we jump into everything going on inside of the world of WOW currently, let's go back to the beginning. A question that I'm very excited to jump into with you. The first question we ask all of our guests When did you first discover your love of professional wrestling? Kind of who was on top at the time? Who were some of your early influences inside of the business? Well, I really don't remember a time that I didn't love wrestling. Um, my dad, he loved wrestling, and I grew up uh, in the 70s, and he wanted to be a wrestler at the time, so he and I would go almost every single week in the professional wrestling. We would be there on Friday nights at the Omni in Atlanta, and sometimes we'd go down to the television studio on Saturday and the Cobb County Civic Center in Marietta, Georgia on Sunday night. So we were big-time fans and wrestling fanatics. And so I grew up uh, in the seats uh, of of the wrestling. So I've always loved it. I think when I really decided and I started telling people that this is what I want to do, I think I was probably around 10 years old. And uh, it was a, I was, I had seen the first women's wrestling match that I ever seen. And I used to tell my dad, I want to, you know, I want to be a wrestler. But back then you didn't see a lot of women wrestlers on the shows. They would bring them in on special occasions. And uh, so that particular night I seen women wrestle. And I remember on the way home, I was super quiet. And normally I was a chatterbox on the way home, you know, reminiscing all the things that I'd just seen. And I remember he said, you know, what are you thinking about? And I go, well, I think I can do this. And, uh, kind of funny because we talk about it now but um so I, I fell in love with it then and I guess the people that were on top and that uh down here in the south I grew up in Georgia and it was Georgia Championship Wrestling and we had Dusty Rhodes, Ole Anderson, Tommy Rich, Thunderbolt Patterson um it was a great group of wrestlers and a big influence on me and the women that wrestled back then of course the lady that got me in the business was Joyce Grable, and actually she was the first woman that I ever seen wrestle. It was a coincidence, but uh, it turned out to be part of my journey. And uh, so I had a lot of uh, great inspirations growing up. 
I'm so jealous because I, I, I grew up a, a fan at 605 on, on the Superstation. And to be down there and, and witness all of that great history live, just incredible. Uh, as I mentioned there in the open, you've been working alongside Mr. McLean now since 1986. How did you first meet David and spark up this relationship that has us talking here some 33 years later? Well, we, um, Vern Ganya, I had wrestled, uh, my first match was for a wrestler named Jody Hamilton, who wrestled as the Mask Assassin. And he had a group right here in Georgia, uh, called Deep South Wrestling. And, uh, I wrestled for him. And Vern Ganya had seen me wrestle, uh, I guess on a tape or something. And he brought me up to the AWA and I wrestled Medusa. And, uh, I had, you know, been, uh, I guess back then we had word of mouth. We didn't have the internet. So it was word of mouth. And Vern Gagne had give, given David my phone number, and he booked me on a show. Uh, my first time I met him was down in Miami uh, on a show down there, and it was an all-women's wrestling event. And uh, then he booked me on a tour, and it was up north. We started out in Indianapolis and went all over to Minnesota and all, all Chicago, just all around in the north. And they had two tour buses, and uh, they had the – the good girls on one bus and the bad girls on another. And it just happened that David rode on the bus that I was on. And I was really young, you know, 19, 20 years old. And uh, I didn't know anybody. So I kind of sat up near the front of the bus. And David was sitting up near the front. And we struck up a conversation about our childhood and our passion and what made us both love wrestling. And he grew up uh, much similar to me. Um he went to wrestling uh, around the, you know, he's from Indianapolis. So his heroes were the Crusher and the Bruiser and, and those guys. And so we, we struck up the conversation talking about our childhood and the similarities. And then we talked about where we were there in the present and what we would love for women's wrestling to become. And our vision was so similar um, in, in everything, in our childhood, in our dreams and inspirations for the future of women's wrestling and it was there that we just kind of become friends and uh stayed friends all these years and uh we tried this many times and and 18 years ago we had wow uh on television and um sometimes uh, the world isn't ready for for what we're ready for and i think the time and now is more right than it's ever been for all the dreams that we've uh dreamed of of, of the platform that we're going to have. And I'm so thankful that Access TV and Genie Bus and uh, came together with David and gave us the platform to make this dream come true. In 1990, you made your way to WCW, feuding with some of the most legendary names in the sport, such as Medusa. And it was an interesting time for WCW because this is before the boom of the Monday Night Wars, before the boom of women's wrestling, before we would see Medusa come back and throw the WWF Women's Championship in the trash on Nitro. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time in WCW kind of at that time period. Well, like you said, it was kind of before um, all the sparks with the women. They they kind of opened a little bit of the door. I'll tell you, through my journey of wrestling, I always feel like somebody would open up the door, but just a little crack to let us in, and then that's really kind of the only platform that we had. Uh, and so I did get my shot wrestling with them, and, and that was fun. I had a lot of fun wrestling for them. It was a great opportunity. But unfortunately, I don't like – I don't really know who – 
to say there maybe no one's to blame for it, but was the world ready for it? Was the wrestling promotions ready for it? Were the men ready to share the spotlight? I don't know. I don't have an answer to why it didn't happen before now, but it was a great journey, but we've never had the platform we have today. And it feels great for me to still be a part of it after over 30 years uh, in the business. And now it's, finally coming to where we have our own platform on Access TV every Friday night, uh, depending on where you live. It's from 6 o'clock on the West Coast, uh, 9 o'clock on the East Coast. But before then, we were just all striving to just get her, get ourselves on uh, somewhere, you know, on television or, or with a big company. But uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It's I have great memories of, of everything that I've done, and, and not just for the big promotions because – with me, whether I was wrestling at WCW in front of a sold-out uh, crowd or if I was at a high school gym in some small town in Georgia, um, I just love wrestling. I've been a fan all my life. And to be able to get out there and do what you dreamed of doing when you're a child, I can't tell you the feeling it is. It's a wonderful feeling to be able to do that. One of the moments that had to be very, very cool for you. I actually read about this on your Wikipedia page. Uh, you got to tag with the Rock and Roll Express in a, a six-person tag match. For somebody with your background, that had to be a, a huge highlight for you. It was. Uh, I, you know, funny, I, I was on a lot of shows with uh, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express, and I kind of idolized them. You know, they were really... Uh, popular. They've always been popular, but boy, in the 80s, they really peaked. I mean, it was like back in the day when Elvis would walk in. I mean, everyone loved the Rock and Roll Express. So we became friends. And uh, when they asked me to come up and join them in a tag team I, with Smoky Mountain Wrestling, it was an honor um, it was to be in the main event and to be tagging with the Rock and Roll Express. It, you know, sometimes I have to pinch myself and think, wow, am I still that 10-year-old kid and I'm just having a dream? Um, it's it, Really, I feel so blessed. Um, I say that a lot, but I can't give enough praise to the blessings that's in my life for 52 years old, and I'm still doing what I love to do. I don't know if it gets any better than this. Fast forward a decade, and you're not only one of the original women of WOW becoming an on-air talent, but you also served as a trainer for the next generation of superheroes. Tell us a little bit about your experience training the next generation in this heyday of women's professional wrestling. Well, uh, I felt privileged. Uh, I've been, do, you know, being the trainer for a long time, uh, when I first, uh, I think it was in 2000, I came up and decided to, to do both. I was a performer on the show, but uh, a wrestler on the show, but I was also the, a trainer. And I just felt overwhelmed that I could pass on my knowledge and my skill to other people that have the passion the same as I do. Because when I first got in the business, um, it was really hard to get in, in the wrestling business. Um, if you didn't know somebody or he wasn't related to somebody, it wasn't so easy to get into it. You couldn't just go to a wrestling school or anything like that. The Fabulous Moolah had a wrestling school in Columbia, South Carolina. And to my knowledge, that was the only all-women's wrestling school that there was. And back in that era, the men, you couldn't go to a men's wrestling school. I think Killer Kowalski maybe trained a few, but you got to remember this is, you know, early, mid-80s, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity. So um, for me to be able to pass along my knowledge and my skill to people that love it and have passion for it as much as I do, 
it, it, I was honored to do it. And I kind of felt like it was my calling. Um, I tell people this a lot. I don't ever claim to be the greatest wrestler, uh, but I will say that I love it. And you can match my passion and my love with anybody. Um, but I grew up, I wasn't that athletic. I did the best I could with what I knew. But to be able to get in there and give the foundation uh, to these younger girls that want to do it, um, it, it's a privilege and an honor to do that. And it's very fulfilling and satisfying because I, I've stepped down from, from being in the ring and performing because uh, I wear a lot of hats and wow, and it just become that it was too much for me to do all of it. And the one that made the most sense to walk away was, was to hang the wrestling boots up. So, but I, I live vicariously through the girls when I watch them every Friday night on Access. When I sit there, it feels like I'm the one that's in there uh, wrestling the match for them because I've been in the training school with them and we're going over drills and moves and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's terrific. I love it. And I, I'm so proud of all the girls that they've done such a great job. And the athleticism of today's women wrestlers uh, is not even... Uh, you wouldn't even recognize it as the same thing that we did way back. Uh, of course, the women in the 60s, 70s, of course, me in the 80s. It's really grown to such a tremendous level of athleticism that it just blows my mind that we've come full circle like this. Now, WOW has launched on the national stage, thanks to the partnership with Mr. Mark Cuban and Access TV. You have been with the company as long as anybody has. You have to be very, very proud to see this company finally taking its rightful place on such a large platform. Uh, I, I am. I am so proud. Um, we've tried a long time, and I feel like my journey, we've always been trying. I've always... Uh, wanted to uh, be at a level uh, of this, to have the platform. And I'm so thankful that finally somebody is. Mark Cuban and Access TV, uh, Andrew Simon, um, Jeannie Boss, uh, they've all put together uh, this team uh, where we have a platform. And it, it's, really, it's, it's really a great thing, and I'm really excited about it. One woman that we have seen you on camera with thus far in the WOW show on Access TV has been Miss Jessie Jones, your former partner inside of Southern Pride, coming to teach some respect to the women of WOW. Uh, we would be, have to take a step back from the wrestling a little bit. You did, only to reemerge alongside a new girl to be trained and potentially a new partner for Jessie, Miss Jessie Lynn Lee. Of course, things didn't quite work out the way that you had envisioned as Miss Jones has developed this new terrible attitude. First off, how is Miss Jessie Lee Lynn doing in her rehab and what in the world has gotten in to Jessie Jones? Well, I tell you, uh, Jessie, um, I really don't know. I can't speak for what has gotten into her because I, I don't know, but I do know that, uh, she, um, that she, uh, I don't know. She's had a change of heart. She's, uh, she's just, uh, she doesn't see things the same way that I do as a trainer. I put the girls first. Um, I, um, I, I worry about the safety of the girls and for her to go out there and do something like that to one of the girls. Um, I just, I don't understand it. Uh, I just left for a few minutes. I came back into the training center and the girl had a dislocated elbow. And uh, they took her to the hospital. She's a real good friend of mine. I, I knew her parents real good. Um, and, and in fact, her uh, 
she's related to Lash LaRue, which is a name uh, the wrestling fans might remember. Absolutely. Um, a friend of mine in Alabama. Yeah. And uh, I, I felt uh, real bad that I brought her out there. And, you know, as, as I was stepping down for, from Southern Pride, uh, I was going to bring in somebody younger, pass along the skills to her, and let her be Jesse's new partner. And I guess Jesse, I don't know. I don't know what reasons you'd have to ask her on an interview. I'm not sure why she's done it, but um, the rest is history. She hurt her. She hurt her arm. Uh, she kind of turned her back on me. And she's got this new uh, idea of what she thinks Southern Pride is, and it's very different than uh, what I feel like it is. Uh, I tell people the other day on an interview, they asked me, well, what is Southern Pride to you? And what it is to me is uh, uh, I'm from Georgia. I'm real proud of where I come from. I've traveled all over the world, all over the United States. But when I come back home to Georgia, it's just like everybody. When you come home, there's that special feeling uh, where you grew up. And it's just a proud heritage where I come from type of thing. It's uh, not a judgmental. And, and when I hear Jesse on her interviews, uh, it disappoints me uh, that she's taken this approach. And, and she's kind of drew a line in the sand uh, between me and her. And um, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's about all I can tell you right now. I'm, I'm in Georgia right now taking care of my father. Uh, he's 79. He had knee surgery. So I've been here and I hadn't been at the training school. So that's about all I can tell you about that. But I know that... Uh, Jesse's going to get her. She's that's for sure. Somebody she's going to get in the ring with somebody that's going to set her straight. And we'll have to find out, you know, uh, in the coming weeks, every Friday night, tune in on access TV. And I'm sure that you'll be entertained and, and, and we'll find out where the story leads. Miss majors. We'd like to thank you very much for joining us today. Why don't you tell the peeps, the freaks and the geeks how to keep up with yourself as well as the wow superheroes across social media and anything else that you would like to plug. Well, I can't plug enough to turn in every Friday night. If you live on the West Coast, it's 6 p.m. If you live on the East Coast, it's 9 p.m. It's on Access TV. They've got some tremendous shows on there. We follow New Japan Wrestling. And I tell you, it's just a, it's a great show. It's entertaining. we got social media. If you want to get on social media, it's uh, Wow Superheroes. Um, hashtag Wow Superheroes. And just tell us what you think. We try to make everybody happy. We try to use uh, as many different girls from different varieties uh, that we can find. And I just say tune in and let us know how you like it and what you'd like to see us do to improve it. And I'm just happy that the women finally have a platform uh, that we've been striving so hard for so many years to achieve. Miss Majors, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck, and hopefully we'll get to sit down and talk again soon. I hope so. Thank you so much. Family. 
Betty by Soil. Yeah, my good friends from Chicago. You can find my ex-wife in one of their music videos. True story. So Huckleberry, let's uh let's talk about blood money. Yeah, my favorite WWE pay-per-view. WWE Blood Money. Returning on May 3rd. That's right, we're going back to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And Huckleberry, I just wanted to point this out in case anybody may have missed it, because you know it was mainstream news. Uh, did you get a chance to read that New York Times article I sent you? I did, I did. But, you know, just real quick, you know, we're talking about you, you want excitement, you want a real shakeup, you want a boom in pro wrestling. Everyone's on the, the all elite train. How awesome would it be if WWE just said the hell with it and actually named these shows Blood Money? <laughs> just came right out and said it. You betcha. So the New York Times uh, came across this audio of uh, our good friend, the Saudi Prince. And uh, he was talking about putting a bullet in uh, Mr. Khashoggi a year before he was actually murdered. Uh, Now, it it says in the article that what he probably meant was uh, a metaphor for, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Uh, He didn't actually mean he was going to put a bullet in him. He just actually meant, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Uh, But I find it absolutely stunning that this, this story comes out literally the day that WWE announces their fourth quarter financials and say that we have the the highest grossing quarter in the history of the WWE, and it's due in large part to Saudi blood money. Well, I was going to say, you know, as a corporation, WWE absolutely fucking killed it in the fourth quarter. Hey, the highest ever, right? And this is killed again, it. man. This is a this is a witch hunt against the fine prince of Saudi Arabia. Oh, come on. You ain't going to chill for this guy. You're trying to to reach at every little angle, grasping at straws here. Wow. Is is this news? Come on. It's official. You have passed Sam Roberts as the biggest WWE shill that I've ever heard. TCB, man, taking care of business. Hey, no, I ain't chilling. I ain't chilling shit. What I'm doing is making sure I'm positioning myself in in the right spotlight. So that if the somehow these whack job leftists get their get their way and what happens to our country, so that when the likes of the Saudi prince come riding in over here to take over America, uh, to pick up the, the fallen ruins of our once great nation and what it's become because of these whack jobs like Cortez and such. You no, know, hey, I want to make sure they know. Hey, I was with you, baby. 
Blood money all day. All hail the prince. Hashtag stockholder. Uh, Hunter also confirming some uh, Saudi Arabia news. Hunter has confirmed that we will be opening performance centers in India and the Middle East, otherwise known as Saudi Arabia, although for WWE has a little bit of a guilty conscience. They, they refuse to say Saudi Arabia all of a sudden. And he said, quote, unquote, more than likely Latin America. So maybe this is part of the Cortez deal to uh, get a WWE performance center in Venezuela. Well, I tell you what, they opened that that performance center over in, in Saudi or the Middle East. I tell you who uh, will not be reporting to work. And that is one uh, Sonny Kiss. <laughs> yeah. There is that. Don't see him doing a tour of uh, NXT Middle luckily, East. Luckily, he got that uh, that AEW deal because I don't think uh, NXT ME is going to be calling him. Let's talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame. Uh, even though we kind of realized the other day, ain't nobody going to be watching the Hall of Fame. What was it that we realized the other day, Huckleberry? Hall of Fame's going up against what? Uh, is, is it doing some research, kind of planning ahead for the great events for uh, my many uh, incredible clients, you know, the ones that were wise enough to give themselves the winning edge uh, by choosing to go with herd marketing, Facebook backslash B-E dot herd, H-E-R-D-D. Uh, so I was doing my research there. I found out they are going to be going up against the final four. Uh, outside of the Super Bowl, one of the highest rated nights in, in sports, in, in all of sports here in North America. Which you can find on CBS. I'll probably be working. Um, oh, you won't Saturday, man. You'll be all right. Oh, that that's the kind of thing I, I will get called in for. I assure you of that. Uh, so I'll be watching the Madison Square Garden ROH G1 show on delay that weekend just realizing this right now as we speak well hey even so much we're talking about poor nxt gonna take it on the chin uh the biggest raw of the year up against the national championship how's that gonna fare not very well probably about as good as smackdown did this week but we'll talk about that a little bit later too uh let's take a look at the hall of fame we are hearing reports your first inductees into the class of 2019, Brett the Hitman Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and Jimmy Hart, the original Hart Foundation. But Huckleberry, it's sounding like Owen and Bulldog are still on the outside looking in. They're only inducting those original three. Uh, and I think it's the right move. I mean, these guys, they're they are the OGs. And, and I know it, this isn't for everyone, but for you know individuals like me and you, when I, when I think Hart Foundation, I think these three here. Yep. Uh, and also, you know, when it comes to the likes of, of Davey Boy and Owen, I don't want to see their, them first go in in this group. I think, you know, Davey's got to be a part of that Bulldog tag team. That's what he is, you know, most notable for. And you want to see Owen get that moment to himself. So I think this is the right move here. Yeah, this is just one of those things that I'm reminded of every year that Owen and Bulldog are not in the Hall of Fame. And they absolutely should be. And it's just politics well and you know it really as a faction it, it, it wasn't like an overall standout i mean that was all brett yeah and it was just the supporting players so i'd say you know to me to go in as a faction you gotta somewhat have a, a equal playing ground now obviously like the horsemen you know flair was the standout but when you when you thought horsemen you thought the group 
you know, when you go to that incarnation of the Hart Foundation, that was Brett. And that, and that was one of the hottest times. You know, my favorite angle, you talk about all these things with like Austin and Rock and, and Austin and McMahon. That the thing they had going on back then where, I mean, the world was divided. You know, the hearts are the, the the bastard villains here in the States. Then you go north to Canada or you go over to the UK and it's, man, they, they just split. And they are the unsung heroes. And Austin is that just most hated bastard. You get you caught fire with the Patriot gimmick and all that. That, to me, was the, the greatest angle in all professional wrestling. I think we saw a little bit of that on Tuesday night with Daniel Bryan. And the way oh, we're going to get it. Yeah, the way the way that he approached uh, Washington. Uh, we'll talk about that, too. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see these red and blue states. And, and I hope WWE has the sense, as we were talking about putting over WOW, to have somebody to counter that. Yeah, yeah. Should be Kevin Owens. He'd be perfect for that. I oh, man, I no, I don't want his Canadian ass out there trying to represent my values as a conservative, righteous American. No, hey, I no, just really? want him out there representing fat guys everywhere. He ain't, he ain't doing that anymore. Yeah, there is that. He sounds like he's lost a ton of weight. Looking forward to his return. Uh, we've got a couple more injury updates here for you. And uh, some of these are a couple of pretty big names, you know, like Seth Rollins, who's kind of involved in a match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Um, now, Rick, I am hearing from my sources on the ground. Of course, when we were talking about Dean Ambrose, we had to go to your sources on the ground in Cincinnati. We're talking about Seth Rollins. I got to go to my sources on the ground in the Quad Cities. Uh, what I am hearing is this is a back injury. It's nothing real serious. This is just precautionary because, you know, he's involved in a match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. So they've kind of pulled him off the road. He is expected back at TV this week and expected to be completely fine in time for WrestleMania. Well, you know, what's the slogan? Burn it down. Well, in any case, you're going to be the face of the company moving forward. How about this? How about slow it down? Yeah, I completely you know, agree what, with that. This is this is what we're going to get, especially in the case of Seth Rollins. Yeah, great. He's your workhorse. But yeah, you want him to be that you want him to be that top that top tier. Represent your company. Let's stop running him out there in these high spot twenty minute matches every week. We don't need it, especially if he's going to represent. You know, everyone's expecting him to go over Brock at WrestleMania, have that grand moment. I don't need to see my champ competing every week. Yep, I agree completely. And you're going to protect you. I, I know everyone has injuries. You know, that's unavoidable in this business. But you need to, you know, position him to protect him at, at all costs here. Yeah, I mean, th this just seems logical to me. So then the question becomes, when I look at Monday Night Raw, where was Paul? Where's Paul Heyman at? Why wasn't he on promoting this damn match? We did absolutely nothing with this Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar thing on Monday Night Raw. As far as I could tell and reading through the show, I didn't watch it. I just read through it because it was bad. So what? where was Paul Heyman? It wasn't bad. It didn't do anything. Nothing, nothing moved forward. But, you know, you're perfectly right. We talked about this last week is how we would lay this thing out. We talked about it in the locker room. Why weren't you playing up? He, that's why he can't be there. You should have had. Oh, where where is Mr. Burn it down? Where is the King Slayer? He he fell at the hands of my beast and he cannot even be here to to sadly come out and confirm. That yes. 
I, I guess, you know, the ass beating at the beast gave him confusing. But, yes, he is going to challenge Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. They should have been hamming that up. But we get – what do we get? Nothing. We, we get a, re, a, a recap package. I mean, why aren't we building this? As you and I talked about they should have – off, it was a blessing in disguise. He's off television. Sell the shit out of that injury. We don't need him back on the road this week. Go to his home and film a segment. Show us that he's laid up. Show us the real devastation. The real devastation of what an ass whooping at the hands of Brock Lesnar means. I still think that's your main event of WrestleMania. I think that is the last match of WrestleMania as Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. Let's talk about another one of the uh, potential main events. Same reason, it, same reason it closed the Rumble. Yep. It, it, you're getting that Roman and that Cena treatment. Now, do you think that they will intentionally cool down this women's program? I, I think they already have in suspending Becky Lynch. Of course, Monday. <laughs> how, how asinine is that? <laughs> Monday, Becky comes out. She has the whole interaction with Stephanie McMahon. And then we get a scuttle where she beats up the boss. I, I always hate those beat up the boss things. Like, I, I wish I could beat up my boss sometimes. I mean, no offense, Greg or Corey, but, you know, like, sometimes I wish I could kick your ass, especially Corey, you know? I mean, come on. Why, why, why you got to be like that? But you don't beat up your boss. You'd be fired, let alone Stephanie McMahon, and then to turn around on Tuesday and do it to Hunter. And all over because you won't go to a doctor. Because you won't go to a doctor when you are clearly injured. Like, I'm having a real hard time going against the company here. Like, this just seems fucking logical. Do, uh, is there some, like, CM Punk news out there that I'm unaware of? Because it seems like they're taking a lot of subtle shots at him uh, with all the Ambrose stuff. And now I don't trust your doctors. And Well, did, come out and say that. Like, like I, I thought Strangler Steve was really onto it in the Wednesday locker room. Come out and say that. I don't trust your doctors. Look at what happened to Punk. I don't trust your doctors. Look at what happened to Brian. No, I ain't going to your doctors. You're not taking that away from me. But they're not telling that story at all. What I was going to say, you know, a lot of what we're going to say here is kind of echo what they were talking about. And I think they did an amazing job. I mean, they hit it. You know, they hit all the marks on it. But I think it's, it's what we were all thinking is we're watching this thing like, Okay, you you kind of are you're going in a somewhat okay direction, but you're without really going that next step. A lot of it's not making sense. Like you kind of know where you want to go, but you're afraid to do it. Go ahead and pull the trigger. Get people really invested in this thing. Set it on fire. We're not getting that here. I'm going to take it one step further, though. I ran this idea by you and you laughed at me. And I know it's hilarious. But I'm looking at it for, through a WWE lens, and it just seems logical. Stephanie's not going to be the guest referee. We're doing the Daniel Bryan story all over again. Becky is going to have to beat Stephanie McMahon early on in WrestleMania to earn her way into the triple threat. That's what's going to happen. Obviously, because you know, having another McMahon on the card, that puts asses in seats. Becky Lynch versus Stephanie McMahon, who doesn't want to see that match? I think you know there's so many scenarios. And it, it wasn't like you said, I wasn't laughing at you. It's just it was just, it's just laughable because you can actually imagine that's conversation going on with inside the creative. And in their twisted in their twisted minds, they view that this is such an amazing accomplishment if you can go over at McMahon. Now, you know, Triple H, that makes sense. 
I mean, he's a 14-time champion. He's going to go down as, you know, regarded as one of the, the best of all time. But Stephanie freaking McMahon, I mean, that's that's nothing. I mean, you, it's almost a slap in the face to, you know, to Becky as a baby face. Like, okay, you're going to just go beat up Stephanie. That's your grand achievement here? What if, so, and, what if Becky pitches it? What if Becky pitches it? What if Becky's like, if I can win a match early in the night, then then I can be in the match. And Stephanie's like, yeah. And Becky's like, I want a match with you just because she wants to kick Stephanie's ass. Well, well at that point, though, I mean, pull the swerve and put Stephanie over. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, we got these other scenarios, you know, kind of going back. Uh, Bellows throughout as they were talking on Wednesday. Maybe we get a, a WrestleMania nine moment. Oh, that would be so awful. That would be so bad. Unless I can get Corey Graves riding a camel backwards, I don't want nothing from WrestleMania nine ever. Well, I, you, know, you know, try to think. You know, then he threw out. Maybe we get like uh, the the Valentine's Day massacre or the Judgment Day, whatever it was. Where you know, leading in, it was Austin and Vince in the cage. Maybe we get that. Maybe that's the fast lane match. It's Stephanie. I just it's I Stephanie have this and Becky. Maybe maybe we get. Uh, there's another scenario here. Maybe we get a WrestleMania 10 where the first match is Ronda and Charlotte. And then Becky has to have another match, like a warm up match before she gets a title opportunity. And and that what they did where Brett had to face Owen and then he got the winner of Yokozuna and Lex in the main event. Yep. Maybe we get that. That's how you get Stephanie into this thing. And what really got my brain going on this thing is look at the roster right now and, and kind of start penciling in your mania matches just matching up stars, right? Even matches that you would like to see at WrestleMania. It's real hard getting to like 12 to 14 matches right now because we're really hurting on star power. Becky Lynch versus Stephanie McMahon. I'm telling I just got this feeling. I got this feeling. It just, it hurts to think that that is a possibility and it hurts even more that it's likely to become a reality. The other thing I do not appreciate is them insulting my intelligence Uh, because, you know, the way that they had this set up is it was Rousey versus Becky. And then everybody was pissed off that Charlotte was going to get added to this match. And now what they're going to do is they're going to change the match. So it's Charlotte versus Rousey. And then we listened to our fans and we're going to give them what they want. And we're going to add Becky to that match. Yeah. It's going to be the ultimate work. And the the sad thing is though, you're seeing it now. You've seen that this is the path. This is the blueprint that they're laying out here. Uh, But so many Mark Tards are going to eat this up. This is going to go back to, they listened to us. It was our driving force. No, they're manipulating you. And the, and the worst thing here is they had they had the magic. The magic was there. Just move forward with Becky and Rhonda. That's all you got to do. You don't have to confuse this thing. And do Charlotte Oscar too. Everybody would be completely satisfied with that. Those are two hot women's programs that, that you can have there. And you can go a number of directions. You know, you got Asuka as the champ. She suffered that huge defeat last year, lost her streak. You know, now now can she 
if Charlotte wins, is she going to take one more great accomplishment away from Asuka? You know, and I would put Charlotte over there because I think there's a lot going forward with a future program. All right, this is Asuka. And then put Asuka over the third time at a big event where that's her big win. And I think and you save that where it is the top women's program at that time. Because obviously right now it's going to be a, a far second to what you got with Becky and Ronda. And that's not a knock because that's just a hot freaking program. I, I still like the setup, man, where Asuka can't beat Charlotte. Becky or Asuka can't beat Becky. And Becky. Well, yeah, you got Becky can't beat Asuka. Asuka can't beat Charlotte. Charlotte can't beat Becky. Yes. I, I, I just think that that's a smart story to tell all the way across the board. Well, and it's something that you could stretch for all, for an extended period. You could you stretch can re- that mania to mania. Easy. You can revisit that thing over and over and over and, and all. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, if you wanted to use that at next year's mania, that would be a hell of a triple threat. Yep. Whether you and, have and, Rousey and, or and, not. And that's this weird little triangle that you got going. Cause I mean, let's look at it. Realistically, you're going to have to really rush to get a Rousey program in for next WrestleMania. Assuming you know, that all, the reports are true. Yeah. Well, it, you know, going forward, if you're if we're looking at WrestleMania 36 and we're start penciling in matches, you know, and it, you really want to think that you you want to start thinking ahead, like, all right, what are we going to do this year to really, you know, set up the next year? What is our mania going to set up going into our new season, if you will? Well, you could, to me, your two marquee matches for 36 right now could be that that dynamic and that triple threat with Becky, Charlotte, and Oscar, and then. I'd have I'd have Ronda and Baszler. Yeah, that was my first thought too. And you set that up the night after WrestleMania. After you know you have Ronda lose, she's going to be taking her exit. And like we were talked about before, you bring out the firing squad, where the other horsewomen, MMA horsewomen, come out and say, you know what, we've had enough of this. We've had enough of you kind of showboating and all the treatment that you've been giving. You're out of here. Absolutely agreed. Um, so let's talk about Sasha Banks. Uh, because Sasha Banks, of course, has a big match coming up inside of the Elimination Chamber uh, for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Huckleberry, it came out. Sasha Banks is not cleared. Again, we don't know what the injury is, but that's why we ran the angle on Monday Night Raw where she got attacked before the match and Bailey carried the whole match because she's not cleared for in-ring competition. This is not good going into an Elimination Chamber match. I mean... Because I'm looking at everybody else in this match, looking at the chamber, LOP, Riot Squad, Absolution, the Iconics, and the Fabulous Glow. I sure as hell want Sasha and Bailey to win that match because, my God, do you really want the lineage of the women's tag team titles to start with the Iconics? Well, you know, as I said, and I, you know what, and you and I have been real high on and they and these and they've talked about our conversations over Wednesday in the locker room uh, on the Hameen Media Group platform. You know, they talked about you know we were real big on the Sky Pirates. You know, and just in in general, they didn't need to go over, but you want it to. Wow, we and I think we're probably still in agreement on it. We think that you should put the best possible talent in there. Where Strangler threw out, you know, it was a good point. I don't necessarily agree with it. You know that those girls are the staples. They're recognizable, and they put in the time to go in there and do the job where you maybe don't want the sky pirates to go in there and do the job because it might affect how people view them going forward. To me, I don't think it's more about the showing in that match. And I think you need to have the best possible talent looking at this lineup here. 
when we're talking about the lineage in the moment when we look back, you know, five, 10 years on this thing, is the way you laid out. We got 12 competitors in this thing. The only two I believe that, that are worthy of these, t- of these titles are Sasha and Bailey. And I'd make an argument that the other 10 don't even belong in this damn match because they're that piss poor pitiful. Well, and the other thing, too, that was supporting our Sky Pirates thing was originally when these things were announced, it was supposed to be across all brands. So it only made sense that they would include a team from NXT. They would include a team from NXT UK. That's kind of how the whole Sky Pirates conversation got started. Um But, I mean, the other team that really would stand out to me here would be the Riot Squad, and Rousey murdered them both on Monday Night Raw. She she beat both of them by herself, and now you want me to take them seriously in a match for the tag team titles? Well, even going back, we're not even getting the best from the Riot Squad. We're not going to have Ruby in there to showcase, to be a, a general inside that chamber, you know, to, to actually lend some credibility uh, someone that knows what the hell they're doing in there. We're getting the two the two schmucks. Sasha, Bailey, and Naomi are going to have to carry this entire thing. They're going to have to call this entire match. Uh, well, whoever's Asian on this thing, they got their work cut out for them. My God. And, and now, going back to, yeah, I mean, the Riot Squad now, you've just eliminated them. They're completely useless here. And then you have Fabulous Glow, who in their entirety as a tag team are 0-1, so by all means, let's throw them in to the first women's tag team championship. Well, well to be to be fair, they were already in the match before they lost that thing. So, you know, they had sold themselves somewhere. I know, but so, wouldn't you put them over so that you would like actually take them seriously going into the match since they were a brand new team that had never tagged together well, before? Who got them? Who got them? I think I like zoned out during the match. Oh, shit. I don't even remember now, but I know they didn't win. Well, I would say they were obviously taking on another team inside the chamber, right? Was it the Iconics? Well, it, was, it was Absolution, the Iconics, and Fabulous Glow in a triple threat. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. But I don't uh, remember it, which one of them won. But okay, it wasn't but, Fabulous Glow. Okay, but I, I think it makes, a, it makes a little sense that you would have the established team beat the, the upstarts. Because what irritated, what really irritated me early in SmackDown was that you've got You've got the club. You got Gallows and Anderson versus Rusev and Nakamura, and they're putting this thing over like it's the club fighting from under because these guys are clicking. So they're they're a fucking tag team. They're, they're one of the greatest, re, you know, around the globe years ago, and now they're fighting from under. They're the underdogs against two guys that last week wanted to murder each other. Yeah, how does that fit into the narrative? Yeah. My God, I can't wait for those guys to go to AEW. The Young Bucks talk about they want the best tag team division in the world. Those two guys obviously have to be a part of it. Um, here's uh, another tag team. Do you think there's worth here in the States with those guys in AEW? Or is it, man, just go back to New Japan? I think I'd go AEW. Just because I, I don't think Anderson has any desire to go back to Japan. At this it, point. It, you know, that's that's a that's going to play a huge factor into it, man. You know, he's got just said... Just had the new baby. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't get me. I think New Japan would be a better fit, but I think they go to AEW. Yeah, I, I would agree with it. It just seems like he is really comfortable in life right now. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, here's another team I would love to see end up in AEW, and that's the Usos. Evidently, it has come out that their contracts are up in April. I'd love to see that one happen, although I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, come on. That, that family and the WWE, no way. 
I, I just don't see it happening. Um, of course, this might tell the tale as they are taking on the best tag team in the world. You can find them on the dollar menu at McDonald's at McMiz. Um, McMiz and Tasty. McMiz and Tasty. Uh, how the Usos have to win this match, right? Right? No. Oh. They're not winning this match. I know they're not winning this match, and that makes me very, very angry. How about the terrible promo from him? I just, I'm over the whole Uso penitentiary thing. Like, you guys are clearly baby faces now. Like, that's cool, man. It's street. It's street, yo. Keeping it real down here, man. I mean, I've been down since day one ish, but damn, it's that whole SmackDown tag team division. There's so much talent, and it's so stale. Usos rotating out. Nakamura Day rotating in. That's what we're getting, yo. Yep. Uh, let's talk about the WWE eco-friendly mid-card championship of the world. Angry Vegan Kurt Cobain takes on the Bad Dad. AJ Styles takes on the Samoan Submission Machine. Samoa Joe takes on the Dirty Cop from Chicago. Mustafa Ali takes on the druggy Jeff Hardy, who takes on the Viper Randy Orton. I mean, I could insert a ton of different nicknames for randy orton how about aew bound randy orton are those not the most ridiculous things that you've ever heard in your life aew bound randy orton come on people Jeez. you know I, I was i was over on uh, facebook and a hobby media discussion group and we we're talking about actual uh movers and checkers well did you see what i threw up the uh my my little write-up and i did like a small article where i put over that the mcmahons have just given up they, they with all of of the smarks in the sheets reporting that everybody every every superstar every employee the accounting department hr the production team they're giving up they're, they want out of their contracts everybody wants to be all elite so the McMahons have thrown up their hands. They, they went to they went to the board. They got the vote approved. They have just they're, they're transferring everything to all elite wrestling. Uh, in exchange, McMahon is going to acquire the Jacksonville Jaguars for the XFL. Uh, Stephanie has been promised that she will give it, be given a fair shake, a, a very opportunistic internship where she can study under the tutelage of one Brandy Rhodes. Uh, and Triple H is just hoping to lock down a talent contract. Uh, you know, he wants to go in there, I guess, maybe tag team with Chris Jericho or something like that. But it, it all looks promising. I had, I had people actually buying this damn thing. You had me until the uh, Hunter and Jericho tag team. That would never happen. <laughs> well, hey, it, this is the crazy world that we live in. Anything can happen. It's all elite wrestling. Everybody wants on board. That's an Instagram <laughs> clip. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was I even talking about? I just pulled a big ray. I forgot even what the hell we were talking about here. That's probably for the, everybody's better. Men. We're talking about the uh, eco-friendly mid-card championship of the world. And oh, we were talking about Randy Orton. That's what got me off on the tangent. There. Yes, yes. Randy Orton going to hey, AEW. You know, this, this entire thing, though, it's it's hard to really get excited for these chamber matches. I like how they, like, they put over when they were setting this thing up. Only 21 times in history have superstars <laughs> stepped inside the chamber. It's the 22nd ever. It's historic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're putting this thing over. I mean, it, it's, and it's a waste. It's a wasted pay-per-view. We're on that, that stop gap to WrestleMania. You know, we're at the, the truck stop at the fly and J just getting, you know, the four ninety nine buffet before we actually get on the road to WrestleMania. But I'm liking this one. You know, it's, 
I love obviously the character work here from from Daniel Bryan. I like how they're presenting each of the the challengers here. Joe absolutely on fire this week. Uh, going back to what we talked about last week, just that intensity with him. You just buy in and believe it. And I, Daniel Bryan again, another stellar program. But it's a little subtle. And what really got me popping this week is how usually when you see you know that big goon bodyguard, you know that they are there to fall in line. And I love that Daniel Bryan is constantly putting over. No, he's he's not here to protect me. He is my intellectual, you know, you know, partner. Equal. Yeah. Equal. We're on the same. We're on the same wavelength. We're friends. This is what we do. We're together. We are here together, uniting for the betterment of the planet. It's not the same run of the mill bullshit. I, I absolutely love that little subtle drop. OK, you know what needs to happen here? I know what needs to happen here. Samoa Joe needs to win this championship. Samoa Joe needs to become that babyface that you're looking for, Huckleberry. He needs to become the voice of the Americans. He needs to become the guy who comes walking to the ring, chewing on a hot dog, just to piss off Daniel Bryan. And he needs to take this championship and he needs to burn it in the trash and bring back the leather championship because... I'm sorry. I just, I can't deal with a cardboard championship. Joe's got to win this match. You know what? I, 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 I wouldn't take the title off Brian yet. And it's so hot. But when you're talking about someone that can represent, you know, you know, a little bit of, of my side, the righteous, I, I think I would be down with Joe because you know what? Joe says it like it is. Yep. You know, going to back to two general. weeks where he just told people how it is. He doesn't have a problem, you know, looking hardy in the face where people were freaking out. Oh, my God, they're making fun of his of his addiction issues. Joe doesn't have a problem pointing that out. He'll look at Randy Orton and say, you know what your problem is? You're just an asshole. And like you said, Joe is on fire right now. And we need a baby face for Daniel Bryan. Let's just turn Joe. Just turn Joe. And, and, and you don't even have to change Joe's character at all. It's just Joe makes the right choice once. And that turns Samoa Joe babyface. If Samoa Joe sticks up for an underdog once, that turns him babyface. Well, I don't even really think you, you got to go to that extent there because the dynamic we're getting here with Brian, where you're going to have red and blue states on separate sides, you know, different sides of the fence here when it comes to Brian. So as long as he comes out and just starts calling out Brian on this eco-friendly bullshit, he's going to immediately become a face. You know, people like me are going to start cheering the hell out of him. No, uh, your, your, your traditional redneck wrestling fan is going to love that. And people just love Samoa Joe. And I feel like you also have to have somebody who can match Brian on the microphone. Because if they're not careful, this gimmick is going to turn Daniel Bryan babyface again. Because I'm already hearing people out there complaining, saying, wait a minute, why exactly is it that I'm supposed to boo this guy when I agree with everything that he's saying? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what we love. We're making a comparison to, to the Breton, you know, the, the Heart Foundation thing. There ain't no way in hell I'm ever going to cheer Daniel Bryan. Because what he says is absolutely everything that I hate. And even, and even if there's anything on the left that I agree with, I am so right that I refuse to even acknowledge it. So I will never cheer this man. So you give me an anti-Daniel Bryan. People like me are going to stand behind him. You're going to have a great line draw. You're going to have a great divide. And that's what professional wrestling needs, especially the WWE. The only other match that is announced officially for Elimination Chamber is Buddy Murphy versus Akira Tozawa for the Cruiserweight Championship. So we basically have 
four matches so far announced. We have the Women's Tag Team Championships, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, the WWE Eco-Friendly Mid-Card Championship of the World, and the Cruiserweight Championship. So where's the rest of the card, Huckleberry? We're only about a week out. I had to go digging through Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown to try to find anything here. And I, I start finding stuff like Jeff Jarrett with Road Dog versus Elias. What the hell is this? 1994? Hey, man, they're, they're going back. And, I, you know, the big answer, because they didn't have Seth Rollins, was to uh, replace him with Kurt Angle. I mean, that, that was their big answer there. And, hey, God love Kurt Angle. You know, one of the all-time greats, uh, a true legend. But it, it ain't working in, in 2019. No, and Jeff Jarrett sure as hell ain't working. Like that was a one-time gig, and we've went back to the well like three times now. Here, here's the problem. I, I see what you did at the Rumble. That kind of it seemed like they miscued that themselves. I mean, it was, he got a great little pop, you know that. And again, going back to the production, I mean, why wasn't he in on the horse? Where was the jacket? I mean, why weren't we getting the over the top that we had from Double J back then? And then you go back to it on Raw because a lot of people probably didn't see the Rumble. I mean, you're not you're not holding that viewership. It's not that must see anymore. So let's go back to it. I thought they did a great job last week on Monday Night Raw, and it ended right. You have Elias getting, you know, you come out, you get that pop, you have a little fun, they're singing all that, and Elias confirms, hey, you know, that he is now this badass again. He ain't taking the, he ain't taking no one's crap. Why do you go back to it again, and then why do you let the legends get over? That only makes me makes me feel this is going to continue. They, they need to put this thing to bed. It's WWE 101. You keep going to the well until it's dry, and we're sick of this. I really think that this is a real match that could happen at the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I think we're going to get that announced. You know, we're, it's going to be a two-on-one. I, I, that's what I'm expecting. And you're talking about we've got, you know, let's take out the Cruiserweight match. We, we have, what, three matches? Yeah. This screams to me going back to the, the brand split pay-per-views. Yeah. Where it, they just didn't have the talent. They were spread so thin. Well, but I mean, they- even looking through what's not like part of the chamber that they did on Raw and SmackDown this week, I had to stretch to find like four or five matches. Well, here we go again, though. You run into an event like the chamber. We've got 12 women locked up. we got six guys. you got 18 talents tied up in two matches. But I'm not even going to excuse that. That is not an excuse for them right now. You know that. You've, you've set the schedule up a year ago. You've been doing double chamber matches for how many years? This is not like something that just like an injury bit you in the ass. That has nothing to do with this. Here's what they should have been doing. You know, we're talking about they are thin on star power, but they're not short on actual manpower. I mean, what do we got? Like 96 individuals between these two rosters. Why are we not building actual small, you know, storylines for some of these undercard people to try to get you interested in it. But their thought process is going to be, well, we'll run out a card maybe this week or we'll announce it on Twitter through the week. And, and, and they're going to get airtime. They're going to go get the shine in the ring. Guess without a story, we don't care. No one's going to care. You should have spent two to three weeks giving me, giving me an Apollo storyline somewhere. Yeah. You know, you, you know, why are, why are we constantly now this tag division is a mess. You're just kind of going out there and running these four team matches now and rotating winners. You've got a little bit of a story that you're starting to tell there with Ryder and Hawkins. Why isn't that a focal point, you know, on a couple segments here? Why aren't they haven't been announced for some kind of match right now? Why are not we not getting that here? Obviously here. Why the hell haven't you been able to announce Lashley and Balor? We know they're going towards that direction. Yeah, uh, it, it seems logical. Uh, what, what are we going to do with Kurt? 
Is he going to Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin? Is that a real match that's going to happen at the Elimination Chamber? What are we doing with Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre? Because that certainly feels bigger than the Elimination Chamber and worthy of a whole lot more than a week worth of build. Then we have Finn and Lashley. They say that we're going to get it on Monday Night Raw. That feels like a WrestleMania undercard match. And now they're going to do that at the Elimination Chamber? And you know what? Here's the sad reality. Finn versus Leo Rush, probably a better match. That was the one match on Raw that I went back and watched in its entirety. And it was good. Well, you run in here, too. You know, essentially what they're telling us is we're going to get probably another five-hour show come Elimination Chamber evening. Don't, there's no reason to tune in until probably nine o'clock. It's a new Japan show. Tune in after intermission. You're good. Just give me an intermission. How about this one? EC3 and Ambrose. Is that match going to happen at the elimination chamber? What in the hell is going on with EC3? Is he a mute all of a sudden? He's one of the best talkers in the freaking company. And we're turning Ambrose back into zany Ambrose. Well, I would say, let's, we like, hey, you know what? He's getting a lot of praise for that promo that he cut. I know, and it's pissing me off. Because even like Strangler Steve was like, I popped for it. Damn it, you're not supposed to pop for the heel. It was too good of a line. There's no reason that Ambrose in his current incarnation should be using lines like that. You know, go to the other one. Irritated me, and I, as we like to try to do so often, is we step back a little bit and and put ourselves inside WWE creative. You know what they're going on. They know the strength of EC3 is on that microphone. It's in the persona. So what they're thinking is, "Mm, we're going to keep teasing it, teasing it, teasing it. We're going to keep just stringing them along. And then when he finally talks, it's going to be so great. It's going to be so over the top. You know, people are just going to flock to it. No, wrong. You're turning us off to this with this bull crap right now. You know, highlighting him in the ring, we don't need that. That's not what we need anywhere from this. You know, we we need to be we need to hear him. You need to let us know his strengths coming out of the gate. Don't play this little game of cat and mouse with us where you're just kind of just dangling it out there and then hope that we bite. No, come out of the gate strong with him. You're setting him up for failure. I'd at least feel a little bit better. If he like, you know, hit Ambrose with the one percenter and pinned him. But no, he pins him with a jackknife. Who the fuck wins with a jackknife? It's 2019. That's like winning with a crucifix. Who wins with a crucifix? You know, just a even little Ugh. nitpick, little nitpick, you know, it's little subtle things. What in all the promo packages, it was him in that nice suit, right? And he was going kind of Superman where he gets into his stuff. Why didn't he come out in the suit for a moment of bliss? And then when Ambrose started running his mouth, start just, okay, you know what? I am always ready to go. Here we go with the Superman look. Full gear. <laughs> right. I mean, why, why didn't we get that? You know, just the little things like that. Go back and pay homage to the fucking hype, you know, the hype packages that you were airing for. And what are we doing with Alexa Bliss? What are we doing? It, this is one of the early disappointments of 2019 is this moment of bliss. I mean, they actually had so they could have had something special there. Oh, just uh, that they got her like drooling over EC3, and they're trying to like hypersexualize her. And if you know anything about the real person who plays the character of Alexa Bliss, that's not her in the slightest, like not even a little bit. Well, you know what? That shouldn't it shouldn't matter if that is her real person 
you know, because she is playing a character. The problem is that they have gone to great lengths to let us know who the real Alexa Bliss is through network specials and, and how they, you know, just themselves through their own social media platforms. They have told us who she is. She isn't that person out there. It, 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 this is another case where they're just completely missing it. And, and a lot of people want to make the comparisons. Oh, let's see what's happening with Impact. I don't know if that's so true. But again, where they were teasing the more uh, the sexual prowess of the being of the product and all that. But they're afraid to pull the trigger. They're afraid to make a commitment to go with something. And it's just coming off. It is completely weak. And it's just not the right person. Like we talk about the casting all the time. This is not the right person. Oh, and WWE, speaking of your Be A Star campaign, I'm just going to throw out there that over-sexualizing somebody with an eating disorder, probably not your smartest move. Just saying. Seems rather ignorant. Let's Are, are over-sexualizing Naya? Well played. Uh, let's let's go ahead. Let's throw things over to SmackDown, who got smacked down by President Trump and the State of the Union. I mean, they, the the SmackDown rating was embarrassing. Well, and, I mean, to be fair, I mean, poor SmackDown keeps running nope. into all this political stuff. Nope, I, I I give them absolutely zero leniency for this because guess what happened last year? They went up against the State of the Union address because it's always on a Tuesday. And guess what? The rating was a 1.76. And this year they pull a 1.3 something. No, uh-uh. You don't get a pass. Nope. No, I just mean in general. It seems like, you know, every big political thing falls on that Tuesday. It just wipes the floor with them. But I mean, just looking at these WWE defenders that are like, oh, well, you see, this is what happened. Oh, well, you know what? You can look back at last year's number against the State of the Union, and that's not what happened. In fact, their rating didn't really change at all because their audience is their audience and they're not watching Fox News. I think there was a little bit more sense of urgency around the State of the Union. Uh, You're coming in here with a hotter buzz, but coming off the shutdown and all that. More viewed than last year's. But but here is... Here is the issue that I have with this. Obviously, they did all their business before that before the State of the Union. It, it kicked off right around nine o'clock Eastern. So again, you know, the same as Raw. You have the whole Becky. Here's your your hottest supposed hottest angle inside the company is what's happening with with Becky. So she faces off against you know the authority back to back. They did that entire. That's what everyone's tuning in to see supposedly here. Uh, that took up about in. Five hours of programming, about 30 minutes between the two. And it kicked off both shows, and then it was forgotten. We're done with it. Um, So when it comes to SmackDown, uh, we had Triple H on SmackDown, the game, the King of Kings, the CEO, the NXT dad. We had, like, how many different roles was Triple H playing on SmackDown Live? And was it more or less than what Road Dog was playing on Monday Night Raw as he was playing the roadie and the Road Dog and the guy that's doing the creative for SmackDown. And it was just like... I was going to say, man, don't forget the ratings killer. Yeah, I mean, like, all the way around, it's like, guys, can, can, we, just, can we just pick one? Just one. I, I, I want to know when... I want to know what Triple H I'm going to get. Like, maybe we can have, like, different entrance music for like the different versions of Triple H, whether we're getting NXT dad, if we're getting Uncle Paul, if we're getting, you know, the CEO, or if we're getting the King of Kings. Or- well, we know the King of Kings. You know when you're getting King of Kings because he, he rock, he, he pulls out the old leather. 
Oh, yeah, there is that. So we, we do know that. When he's got the leather jacket, watch out. The King of Kings is in the building. But other than that, all the other Pauls fall under uh, suit and tie, Paul. Yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. Like trying to figure out, do I like Triple H today? Or no? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Oh, no, I don't. He How, do, how could he say that? Oh, he's got a good point there. I'll tell like, you what, though. He had a great promo, man. Oh, I, love, you know, promo. I love the, you know, people say they're ready for it, but are you? Because it seems like you're making every excuse in the book, you know, why that you you aren't really at the heights that you want to be at. I think the real question for Triple H was, do I cut this promo against Becky tonight or do I wait until next week on Raw and cut it against Seth? Because he could legitimately use that promo against either one of them. You ever notice Seth Rollins always gets hurt right around WrestleMania? Well, I think, you know, and you talk about you could actually, you know, word for word, cut the same promo and it would have a completely different meaning. You know, where Seth would probably embrace that is, okay. you know what I am going to. And it would actually it would really help them in this case, too. It would have been a great promo to cut a couple weeks ago when he comes back. He knows what the beast is capable of now. Is he ready to climb this mountain? And it's and it would come more as a motivational speech from Uncle Paul. That's that's what we'd be getting there. Uncle Paul motivating Seth. Where you kind of you take it out of that scenario, and you you know we get the one with Becky that we got, and it's completely different. You know, it's it's an insult, it's a call out, it's a you know it's an actual personal attack instead of a motivational challenge. Also, adding to my conspiracy theory that it's going to be Stephanie McMahon versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Becky Lynch asking Hunter if Stephanie's been cleared. Cleared for what? Her match at WrestleMania. <laughs> Just saying, yeah. conspiracy horseman. Yeah, cleared for what? Cleared. That, for that's what? a great right, for what? 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 She cleared to go to the office. I mean, <laughs> cleared for what? Cleared to take her kids to preschool. You know what the hell? What the hell have you been cleared for? Oh my Get god! Get the fuck out of here! No, no, you're right. No, they intentionally put that in there because we're that's what we're building towards here. How how do you make a superstar yeah, go over? Beat a McMahon. Beat a McMahon. That's the only thing that works. It's the only way Stone Cold ever got over. Uh, you know we're talking about the women on SmackDown. It's, it, it, this wasn't on the show. And I know they're trying to keep her away because nobody wants to talk about that Oscar beat Becky's ass. That's that's actually how I wanted to close the show today was asking about Oscar. Where the fuck is Oscar? And I get, you know, I get you. You want to live in this moment. You want to keep Becky on that pedestal. She won the Rumble. Uh, we're not even addressing that she shouldn't have even been in a damn match, I guess. So who gave Fit Finley the Details. authority to put people in? But, I mean, why can't – right, so you don't want Oscar there, like, coming out and calling her out. And you got – and well, who could even challenge her? Because you got Charlotte tied up now in this Ronda Ness. You got everyone else on your SmackDown roster in this hot garbage chamber match they got going on. Okay, so how about this? How about send her home to celebrate in the homeland? Take the title home. She has done it. She has climbed the top of the WWE mountain. She's going back to the land of the rising sun to celebrate. How about some video clips of that? At least remind us of this great accomplishment that she is still up there with the upper echelon of of your women's division. But no, let's just forget about it. No, instead, do you know what they're doing with Asuka right now? She's working dark matches, right? She's working the fucking dark matches. She's beating Charlotte in the dark matches. That's what she's doing right now. She's beating Charlotte. Again, I'll repeat. She's beating Charlotte. The woman who tapped her out at WrestleMania. You know, one of the few big matches that is actually out there that we really want to see inside of the women's division. 
she's beating Charlotte to retain the SmackDown women's title in dark matches. So when they finally do it, there's going to be a huge part of the WWE universe that's already seen it in a dark match. Well, even outside of the dark matches, they're headlining the SmackDown live events. Yep. And we're doing nothing with Asuka. You know, we, we said going back to WrestleMania last year when Charlotte beat Asuka, and I thought it was the wrong decision then, but I said the most important thing is going to be the follow-up. What do you do with Asuka after that? And they did nothing for like three weeks. You didn't even see or hear nothing about Asuka. And then she, and then she emerges as giggling Asian girl. Yep. And here she has the biggest win of her WWE career. She retains the SmackDown Live Women's Championship against the hottest thing going in the company. It's all in the follow-up. You can legitimately make Asuka into a star once again. And maybe, just maybe, you could actually build anticipation to a match that nobody's talking about. And you could say you do have Ronda Rousey for WrestleMania 36. Asuka versus Ronda used to be a match that people wanted to see. Maybe you could turn Asuka into that star again. But no, we've gotten zero follow-up with the SmackDown Live Women's Champion. I, I don't understand it. What the hell are they doing with Asuka? It, it's just, it, it hurts to think about it. It's irritating, man. These are the things that just piss me off to the point where I don't even want to watch SmackDown. I'll just read through it. And I mean, they're doing stuff like CN versus Rey Mysterio. That's a real thing that could happen. Hair versus mask. That's been proposed. And I don't care because there's no fucking story. You're going to do that match on a week build? A week? Hey, I'll tell you what, it just goes back to, you know, the great Ben Hameen, man. He's been he's been pushing for, he's been wanting an opportunity to go into WWE and try his hand with creative. We know he's perfectly capable of it. If he could if he could exist inside that structure, but I got a perfect position for him. The vice president of what the fuck. And that's all he has to say is when they lay out a story, he just he answer me this question. What the fuck? Yeah. Every time that they write, they lay something out, they should, at the end of it, they should just ask themselves, what the fuck? And if, if it works inside of that, then put it on the air. But if you've got a, a list of reasons under what the fuck, then maybe you should rethink what you got going on. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Check out our friends Joe and Carl at Turnbuckle Talk, Ryan and Michael at Going Home. Head over to lastwordonprowrestling.com. Visit our friend Jamie over there. Get all of your updates from the world of professional wrestling. And then make sure that you hit up hackerhameen.podbean.com. Make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss Huckleberry and I over there in the locker room this Monday talking about Switchblade Jay White versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Big match going on in New Japan. It's going to be very interesting to see which way they go. Until then, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, Instagram at HTMPWPod, Facebook hitting the marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, 
Where do these people find you? Well, I was say, you know, it's, it's about lunchtime. So I think I'm going to head over to McDonald's. I've got the two for five. Uh, McMiz. McMiz and Tasties. And yes, they come in the non-biodegradable old styrofoam packaging. Man. So you know they're going to be extra delicious. I'm going to go scarf out a couple of those for lunch. But hey. A very big announcement that uh, that we ran out yesterday. Very proud and honored to say that a, a good friend of ours, Mr. Robin, the full Nelson, the F-U-L-L, give me the full scoop, the full story, the full money. Robin Nelson is going to be joining us here on the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Platform. He's going to be uh, debuting his new show uh, on Wednesday, February 13th. And pretty much the concept is going to be uh, the great interviews that he conducts on a weekly basis. Now, he's out. He's talked to some, uh, you know, the stars, the stars of yesterday, today and beyond. You're going to get all that great, that great insight with uh, Mr. Nelson. So excited to have him on the platform with us. And it's just the beginning. Uh, we, we've reached out to some other just incredible personalities uh, with an with an extraordinary passion for professional wrestling. Uh, we're going to keep building that HTM network. Uh, but to keep up with me across all social media at The Real RBV. I think that's it for me. We'll catch you Monday in the locker room. Hagerhamin.podbean.com. Tuesday, twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks for an all new edition of HTM Sports. You can listen to me cry about my Lakers and how freaking awful they are and the conspiracy that is raging through the NBA against them, all being headed by Dell Demps and the New Orleans Pelicans. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Monday. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! me. I don't give up. You bad guy.
fucked your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bag on.